Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. Hi folks, Kevin Brownlee here. I am really hoping that our series on how to improve your job biblically was helpful and valuable to you and that you are working and putting some of those things into practice and your job is improving. But due to this coronavirus thing, if you're not working, you've probably transitioned from fear and panic to boredom to now I got to have something to do. (laughs) How about if I give you something to do? Here's the first of two things. Go to the website gloriousendeavor.com and purchase my book there. I have set up a e-commerce site there because evidently Amazon has put a hiatus on shipping anything that isn't like essential, like vitamins or something. So I've set up a e-commerce site there and if you use a coupon code glorify with a capital G, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. You can't beat that, folks, and it'll come straight from me. So if you want me to sign it, I'll do that, and I'm happy to cut out the middleman called Jeff Bezos of Amazon. (laughs) The other thing I want you to do, if you would, please, and this is really important. This is the lifeblood of being an author, and that is to go ahead and go to Amazon and find my book, Your Glorious Endeavor, by searching for it there. And then clicking on those little stars for reviews, and that'll open up a new page where you can leave a review. Would you please do that? It would help a ton. I mean a ton. So thank you for doing that. You have the time. It will only take a minute. Please do that. Thank you. Okay, let's get to what our topic is for teaching today. I'm actually going to start a new series. I just got to thinking with a lot of people home Marriages are either getting better or getting strained. Let's work on making them better. So I'm going to do a series on what the Bible says marriage is and what the Bible says the husband is supposed to do, what his role is, and what the Bible says the woman's role is. And you know what? It's probably going to surprise you what the Bible actually says. So hopefully you'll tune in each time. Because when we know for real what God says about marriage and what his requirements are for each spouse, then your marriage becomes what God intends it to be, which is absolutely fantastic, enjoyable, rewarding, and fulfilling. Now, it wasn't always that way for my wife and I, but we really delved into what God's word said and made a good effort to do it his way, to do marriage his way. And the results have been awesome, to say the least. (laughs) My marriage is better now than it ever has been. I've been married for almost 33 years now. And I know my wife, Bunny, would say the same thing. And yes, that's her real name. (laughs) You know the old hymn, Count Your Blessings, where it says, When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And when I count my blessings, my top two are this. One is the penalty of my sins, you know, God's wrath on us for wronging him and doing 
sinful things, has been taken care of by Jesus. And second on my list, my all-time very long list (laughs) of blessings, is my wife, Bunny. And I hope you can say your spouse is near the top of your list of blessings. And if not, well, let's work on that through this podcast, all right? So in this first episode, we're going to talk about why did God even design marriage? And when we know that, it will kind of form a foundation for building on from there. So let me open up by giving you two scenarios with the outcomes here. Scenario A is this. When either or both spouses do not follow God's blueprint for marriage, tremendous pain, anger, sorrow, chaos, instability, some frustration, some sadness, and maybe even destruction ensues. But scenario B, when a couple, in the midst of their personal shortcomings, quirks, problems, failures, maybe their past, and sufferings, even trials and tragedies, or age, follow God's blueprint for marriage, great joy, satisfaction, love, blessings, and even spiritual growth is experienced. Hopefully you're not in scenario A, but if you are, this is a great podcast for you to listen to and maybe listen to with your spouse. But if you are in scenario B, keep listening to this podcast because we always need to do a tune-up for our marriage. You know, a lot of times when we got married, we went through a premarital counseling, but we were too busy trying to focus on the actual marriage day and then the bliss and joy of it, and not really the, the, the how-tos of marriage that we talked with with our pastor or a counselor right before we got married. And a lot of those things we've forgotten. And that may be what's happened to you too. So it might be good to do a tune-up if you've been married for a while, similar to giving your car a tune-up. It seems to be running okay, but you still have to change the oil, maybe change the spark plugs, air filter, do some things like that, just to keep it running good and maybe even a little bit better. Maybe some things have gotten a little bit sluggish over the years and you just want it to run at tip-top shape. So listen to this podcast and we'll give your marriage a tune-up, okay? So that's actually what I'm going to call the focus of this podcast series giving your marriage a tune-up. So this is just going to be pretty much addressing folks that are already married and either want to keep it going, maybe even a little better, or maybe you just need fixed. Your car isn't running very good, and we need to take a serious look at the engine and the drivetrain and try and get it fixed. Or replace some worn-out parts with some new ones, or replace some parts that were put in wrongly with the correct parts. parts (laughs) so that your car of marriage will be running wonderfully okay so marriage first of all has been designed by god and it's mentioned several places in scripture and so following the rules of two or three witnesses you know things that are really important in the bible are there two or three places to kind of be a witness we're going to combine the testimonies of the different witnesses 
Uh, it's set up in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and then 2, 18 through 24. And then Jesus refers to marriage, quoting a lot of the Genesis passage, in Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And then the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest teacher, uh, he refers to marriage in Ephesians 5, 30 through 33. But since Paul wasn't married, Peter was, so we're going to look at what Peter had to say about marriage. Also, so those passages tell us the foundations for marriage. God is relationship-oriented. Genesis 1, 26-28 tells us, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The Trinity is what's being talked about here. That's what's referenced with us and our. And that's a relationship. Father, God, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that relationship is on equal standing, but they're physically different. Each has different roles, but they are one God. It says that God created male and female, and God blessed them to have a relationship with each other, where there is equal standing, although physically different, each has different roles, but they are one flesh. So you see the correlation there? So why do we say it correlates to the Trinity? Because we have the husband, the wife, and God. And Solomon said, a three-strand cord is not easily broken. I'm reminded of some wedding rings that I've seen that are made with three different types of gold. And they're all intertwined together to signify that. In Genesis 2.18, God created drama to prove his point that man has a hard time alone, and that he could sure use a helper that's comparable to him. So yeah, he gave Adam an overwhelming amount of work to do. He had to tend the entire Garden of Eden himself, and he had to name all of the animals. Well, we think how cute that is, but think about that, really. How many animals were there, and he had to go and observe each one of them, and then come up with a name for them? I think that's why some of the larger animals have long names, like hippopotamus, and then you get down to the little ones, like fly or gnat. <laughs> he got real tired about the time he got there and used short names. Anyway, he was very tired, and he was overwhelmed and needed a helper that was comparable to him, that was somewhat equal to him. And in verse 20 of chapter 2 in Genesis, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And then it says that God did, made him a helper. He caused him to go to sleep, and he opened up his side, and, and he created somebody out of his body. Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. That's what Adam said. And then God said, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So right there in verse 24, he explains what marriage is. A man and a woman who are physically different, 
and incomplete alone, by God's design, came together to form a new oneness that complements each other and completes each other. People were never intended to be alone. Now, there is some folks who do better alone, like maybe the Apostle Paul, because he has to give his full focus to what his job was. And that's okay. But for the rest of us folks, marriage solves the problem of aloneness. It is a method of helping each other. It is an image of God in us and reflection of him, like a mirror, including that relationship we talked about. The marriage relationship is not a substitute for God, but the opposite. Marriage is the expressions of the perfect love and relationship we find in God. Expanding on those a little bit more, marriage is designed to help each other not be lonely and to comfort each other in troubled times, to help with work, to help obey God's commands, to be a better person, to mature, and to grow in Christ-likeness, and to help each other just get through life. So here are six reasons that God designed marriage, and I'll expand on each one of them a little bit. Marriage gives us companionship. Marriage gives us a helper. Marriage helps us be like Jesus. Marriage enables obedience to some of God's first commands. Marriage provides an intimate partner to comfort us and also to have fun with. And sometimes kids join our family. (laughs) And the last one, marriage keeps your spouse clean and acceptable to God. So let me unpack each one of those now. And again, the first one is, marriage gives us companionship. Genesis 2, 15-24 tells us that Adam was working in the garden and realized he was getting lonely and tired, and he needed some help. And God said, that's not good. So he created a helper, a wife, and they were married by God right there. And that gave God the opportunity to create the large-scale church pipe organ and play this, the very first song ever played on that pipe organ. Oh, come on, that's funny. (laughs) Okay, back to serious. And notice this happened before the fall in Genesis 3 where man would be somewhat separated from God. And I think God knew that was going to happen and knew that men and women are going to need each other to get through a lot of troubled times ahead. When you're alone, for very long anyway, desires and fears most likely turn into sin or even idols, and they really become prevalent. Marriage keeps your focus off of yourself and those sinful things that you could delve into. It gives you something else to focus on, a person and God. Next one is marriage gives us a helper. See, men, by design, are lacking some things. There are some things they're just not very good at. And they also need help 
in the work. So in addition to the companionship that I just talked about, this Genesis 2, 15 through 24 passage also tells us God designed marriage so Adam could have some help with the work that God had him do. Work is a big part of our life. God wants us to work, and our spouse helps us with work and helps us do a good job. The helper compliments us, kind of fills in the gaps, or helps us to do better at the things that we guys aren't very good at, and helps us do our job better. The next is, marriage helps us be like Jesus. See, God is relationship-oriented. Just like I mentioned, you know, there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's a relationship, and God wants us to be relationship-oriented, too, with our spouse and family, and God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 tells us that we're to be imitators of God and to be like Jesus Christ. Marriage is a binding relationship where things go best when we try to be like Jesus. Loving, doing, saying, treating, and handling situations like he did. Reading about Jesus in the New Testament will help you learn about him so that you can work on being like him, even to your spouse. Next, marriage enables obedience to some of God's first commands. See, in Genesis 1.28, we find the first commandment given to man. It's the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. The word fruitful means to grow, to raise, to build, to make, or to process, and to produce something or some things. And multiply means to use what we make to make some more, to make bigger and better and taller and faster. (laughs) And then it says to fill the earth and subdue it, which means to have families and build homes and till the ground and make farms and build buildings and to lay down pavement and concrete and to spread out over the earth and to have dominion over the earth, which means to take careful control of, but to be in charge of. And that includes all living things. To use what you need and to care for and to protect and to manage wisely. That's all part of God's first commandment to us people, found in Genesis 1.28. And we need our helper to do that. And ladies need a hard-working man to help do that. Marriage provides an intimate partner to comfort us, is the next one. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says we are to comfort those around us. Comfort means to cause someone to feel less worried, less upset, less frightened, etc. Do you do that with your spouse? Do you cause them to be less worried, less upset, less frightened? Isn't it wonderful when someone comforts us when we're feeling like that? It is just as wonderful to comfort your spouse like that. And that's one of the reasons that God designed marriage, was so one person could be comforted by their spouse. 
And the last one, marriage keeps your spouse clean and acceptable to God. Ephesians 5, 25-26 says, A husband is to sanctify, which means to make holy and acceptable, and cleanse his wife with God's word. Scripture is so wonderful, and it tells us how to be acceptable to God, and tells us how to be cleansed from the evil and the polluted and the sinful things that this world dirties us with. We do that with God's word. And in this Ephesians passage, it tells that each spouse is supposed to do that with their spouse. So, husbands, do that with your wife. And wives, maybe do that with your husband too. Read God's word together and say, how can we use what we read here to improve our life or our marriage or our jobs? It is totally amazing when you can do that and you just feel so filled by the Holy Spirit helping each other, and it is awesome. So I want to ask you in this time of trouble and a lot of alone time (laughs) together at home, how can you build your relationship? How can you help the other person? Ask yourself that. And then ask your spouse that. So try that. Each of you, ask your spouse, how can I help you through this time of trouble and uncertainty? How can I help our home be better? Better for both of us. Better for our kids. And ask this, how can I be a blessing to you today? And then I would suggest this. Pull out the Bible Maybe even in the mornings. I know you're probably sleeping in. But when you get up and you're having coffee, open up the Bible and read it together and ask, how does this apply to our life now? How can we take God's word and clean our lives or improve our lives? What to read? I'll give you something. How about Psalm 37? How about reading that together? Just read the first 11 verses together and maybe go back and read each verse individually and ask, how can we take this and apply it to our life and improve our life? And how can we get some hope and courage and strength from this? Do that together. It's amazing how just doing that will improve your marriage because you're focusing on God and each other. You will be building your relationship with God included. How cool is that? You'll find out, and it will be awesome. Do you have some friends that are married? Would you help them get this podcast on their phone or computer? I'm guessing they will thank you. In our next podcast, next Tuesday... We're going to talk about marriage is best when, and then I'll list some things. And some of those things also include things not to be doing. Marriage is best when you don't do some of these things. Join me next time on the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast. See you later.